Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Bulk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as MD of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Retweets and links are not endorsements, rather signposts to interesting thinking or reading. Humans of Twitter is their stories, in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Mark Scott. Hi, Steve. Good to be with you. Oh, it's lovely to be with you too, Mark. In social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Uh, well, um, oh, look, um, I'm Mark, really. I mean, it's funny. I, I do uh, public events, public functions, and I, I, I just always greet the room as uh, just another room of shareholders. One of the great <laughs> things about the ABC is that... Uh, Everybody owns the ABC. Everyone's a shareholder of the ABC. Most people I meet have a strong opinion about the ABC. And uh, every event I go to, every person I meet, is it's a, it's a gathering of uh, shareholders of the ABC. So that's a good thing. Uh, and I'm sure they're fairly prompt with their feedback on the ABC. Yeah, I think um, it's an organisation that generates uh, passions and uh, strong views. I mean, overwhelmingly, and our research shows this, I mean, people love the ABC they're very um, passionate about it. They believe it plays an important role in Australian life and in their lives. Um, but but there'll be programs people love, programs people hate. You know, um, I'll have to point out to my mother from time to time that that not every show is for every person, and um, <laughs> that some programs she is not in the demo, the target demographic. You know, I'll get receptionists or people on the train who will say to me they're a little bit sick of QI or can when's the next season of Rake coming back yes. or that they love Radio National. So, yeah, it generates passion and conversation and debate. And I, and I think it's just quintessentially part of Australian life and the lives of millions of Australians every day. Were you as big a fan of the ABC before you started working for it? Yeah, I think I was a consumer of it. Um, but I do remember even as a teenager, you know, Clive Robertson was a, mm. an irascible breakfast announcer on then called Seven O, um, called 2BL in Sydney. And I remember my father really insisting I listen to a bit of Clive Robertson and listening to him and loving him. Right. And as a kid, you know, cricket on the radio and um, Norman Gunston. And, you know, I had my favourites then. And I think growing up, your tastes change, your experiences change. There's no doubt when I was working as a journalist at the Sydney Morning Herald, you know, I was full of admiration for the ABC's news service, its current affairs programs, uh, that that kind of work. And so, yes, I'd been a um, a broad consumer of the ABC, but but I came to appreciate it that much more. Uh, the breadth, its importance, its strength in the regions, the range of content the discovery of talent. I, I just learned that much more of it, I suppose, once I got close to it. Yeah. Was journalism a first choice for you uh, coming out of high school? It's interesting. I studied law for a bit and didn't enjoy it. I taught uh, high school for a bit, but I was always interested in politics and journalism. So I went and worked in uh, politics. I was a political staffer, a political advisor uh, in the 80s uh, in the New South Wales government. And yes. then I studied overseas and from there I went into journalism. But I was always really very interested in news, um, in the intersection between uh, uh, news and um, politics. 
and political change. And so it was always a passion. And I think I was very fortunate at the doors that opened up for me at the right time, firstly, to to work in a political environment and learn more about that. And then when I was kind of older, really, I was was 30, 31 when I started in journalism, an opportunity opened up at the Sydney Morning Herald that used my um, political skills, my policy background, my academic background, uh, Mm -hmm. effectively. So um, yeah, they were always strong passions and they remain strong passions now. It must, at least at home at the dinner table, get you into some fairly hot water reflecting on some of those things that you can't speak about publicly, certainly at the moment. Yeah, I, um, I, I think, you know, it's interesting around, I mean, I've, I've found having kids, my kids now in their early 20s, you know, their insights into media, their insights into the ABC and into uh, content, you know, I found that kind of valuable and worthwhile. I mean, there's no doubt that it's a pressure-packed job, though, and um, there have been times when the ABC's made a lot of headlines, made a lot of news, there are outspoken critics, we can have our political, uh, for, for, for whatever reasons, we can be in political uh, hot water. And I think you've just got to be able to run with all of that and not let any of that get to you too much. And I find the family is quite useful in keeping me grounded around all those things. Sure, but late-night phone calls from ministers from communication and prime ministers can be a little bit unnerving, can't they? Well, look, yes and no. I think, in a way, I've been around politics for a long time. It was almost 30 years ago when I started working in a political office. I understand the pressures that politicians are under. Mm -hmm. Uh, I understand that they get, you know, frustrated and annoyed from time to time. Um, But... I also know that tomorrow is another day and what seems to be a crisis and a catastrophe today, often by the end of the week or next week, things kind of settle down and moderate somewhat. So I try and keep fairly calm and balanced around um, all of that. But there are some times when things happen and you think no matter what you try and do, this is a fire that's not going out, that other people have an interest in keeping that fire going and you've just got to be able to um, manage that and um, reflectively kind of work your way through it as best you can. And so I try not to get too stirred up about anything. I try and keep pretty focused and um, I try and take a long-term view as best I can around those issues or crises as they emerge from time to time. And, And they have a propensity to pop up sometimes over the weirdest things, don't they? Yes. I mean, it's interesting. At times um, I've reflected that the issues that have generated a lot of heat haven't come from traditional areas. I mean, we do hard-hitting, controversial programs on 7.30 or on Four Corners, but if I think of the big editorial issues we've had to deal with, they've often come out of television. It's often come out of the comedy division. It's often come at a uh, come from a program that you weren't expecting to generate that, or it can be something that's sudden and unexpected. But that's the nature of media, that's the nature of television, that's the nature of live television from time to time. And, yes. um, you know, that, that and, and, and really, you know, we have thousands of people who are working here at any given time. We can have 60 live microphones broadcasting. People will exercise judgment. And at times you're going to have a problem because people exercise judgment in the, that in the cool light of day and the day after... Once they were off fair, that judgment didn't look to be so good. But, boy, I think our people do an outstanding job day in, day out. And I think um, the number of issues 
that we have to deal with given the volume of broadcasting we do is very, very few. And I think there are times when we get a hard time from critics. I don't think all those critics are always fair-minded, you know. I think there are some critics, some columnists, they have a shtick, they have a a well-polished routine that attacks the public broadcaster. They think that's in the interest of their career and their journalistic outlet to do that, and they can do that. And I don't spend too much of my time worried about not being able to change their mind. That's just, they're just doing their thing and we've got to get on and do our thing. Absolutely. With with you now looking at, you know, the end of your tenure as MD with the ABC, I'm sure you could look back and, and note any number of things as significant changes or positive things that you've been involved with, things that you're proud of. Is there one that stands out that you'll admit to? Um, look, I think the, look there, there are numbers and, and you feel a bit, uh, you, you don't want to single any out. I, I, I do think, though, one of the things I'm particularly proud of, and I'm proud of it is for the work of the team here at the ABC, a very passionate, dedicated uh, group of people who love the ABC and are committed to public broadcasting. I mean, we did a number of things that we got extra money for from Canberra, and I think we did them well. I'm really delighted at our... Um, slate of drama and the drama we've been able to put to air in recent years, I think has been outstanding from Redfern now to the slap to rake um, and a range, you know, new ones coming this year, like clever man. I mean, I think it's a wonderful slate and I'm really thrilled that we created the kids channel. And um, I think that's been very important in the lives of um, Australian families everywhere. But, but there are some things we didn't get money for that there was no additional government funding, but we found the way to make the savings. We found the way to prioritise our investment to deliver things that, that have been greatly valued by the Australian people. And I think two examples of that um, are ABC News 24. Yes. No extra government funding to create that terrific free-to-air news channel. And, uh, you know, around 4 million Australians a week can tune in to News24. And the other one is iView. I mean, no government funding for iView. Yeah. We scraped that money together. We prioritised that as a project. It was great ingenuity of our people within. And we created what was clearly the leader in the Australian sector and still today a dominant force in uh, catch-up television. I mean, of, of all the catch-up television that's viewed around free-to-air networks in Australia, 50% of that, fully 50% of that is seen on iView. And, um, you know, I'm really proud of the work of our team in delivering that and all across the country. I mean, you know, I think what Triple J has achieved, when I started here, about 900,000 people a week were listening to Triple J on the radio. Well, now it's about 2 million. You know, we've just had the hottest 100, which is just such an important cultural event in the country now. You know, Triple J on Earth uncovers such great new talent, um, including the Rubens, who are number one in the hottest 100 this year. I mean, you know, just great work done by our people who know their audience, love their audience, and and really look hard to deliver for them. It's it's a phenomenal machine to look at, the, the breadth and depth of what the ABC offer. Uh, I'm sure that presents its own challenges for you as managing director to try and keep across everything. You must have some interesting conversations with the people who run each of those bits um, as far as stuff you need to know and stuff that you don't need to know. Yeah. Look, I think, I think that's right. I, I think um, 
you know, I you can't be a micromanager in a job like this. Uh, I, I think if you're a micromanager uh, in this kind of job, um, firstly, you can't get across all of it, all those live microphones, all that content. And I think you can also put a disproportionate emphasis on your own taste and judgment uh, compared to the work of others, you know. So when it comes to commissioning drama, um, I'm not there reading scripts, but I'm very interested in the ideas that are coming forward, the people that we are working with, you know, key casting choices, how we're going to promote it, the time slot that we'll run in. But I'm not making those decisions, but I just like to know the thinking. Sure. Um, as similarly, I think, around who is our key talent in our key radio slots. I look at the ratings quite closely. I look at the drivers of our traffic um, online. So, but but finally, you know, I, I think I've got the best media executive in the country. I think they are an outstanding group of women and men um, and they know their area very well and they recruit very well. There's no doubt we can recruit very well here at the ABC. We don't pay as much money as the commercials, of course, but people want to work here because they are very proud of the work they can um, undertake here. So, yeah, I think in a way I try and keep as across as much of it as I can. Sometimes there'll be a series that I've really missed or um, something you can't watch all of or there'll be something new on radio that you haven't heard, but you, you just do your best to keep to keep across it and to, and to broadly have a dashboard that gives you a good sense of how the organisation's running at the moment. It's all right, Mark. I'll watch the stuff that you miss. Well, I'll you watch, watch it, you. Steve. I, I, and, I, and then I follow your tweets and your blog and I kind of know what's going on. <laughs> Let's assume that I know what's going on for a start. Yeah. Uh, if you were to hand your successor a letter on your final day <laughs> at the ABC, what's in that letter? Uh, well, I, I think the first thing, I mean, I remember I, I ran into, um, I was talking with Brendan Nelson one day and, you know, uh, in, in my time, here, Brendan was a minister, then he was leader of the opposition, he's been an ambassador, now he runs the War Memorial. I've chatted with him in all those different guises, I think. But I, early on, he just looked at me um, and he said to me, Mark, Mark, you've got one of the best jobs in the country. You, do you know that? You've got one of the best jobs in the country. And I, and I said to him, well, yes, I did know that, but I'm not sure I'd ever really quite thought of it in that way until he said it to me that way. And, and I reminded myself of that from time to time, that... It's an enormous privilege to have been offered to do this job. The things I've been able to do in it have been fascinating and interesting. I'm going to miss it when it's gone. Um, and it's been really uh, the, the professional privilege of a lifetime to have been here. So my first message to Michelle Guthrie, who I've met a number of times, who I think uh, is just a smart, lovely, energetic person. And I think, you know, the first thing is to enjoy it and to explore the place because I've found the more I've known about it, the more I've talked with different people in different parts of the organisation, it's just been endlessly fascinating. Um, and then in a way, you know, I'd, I'd encourage her to just continue to help reinvent this place to secure its future. Mm. And I was very conscious of that, I think, um, that, that I, I grew up, my family watched and listened, my grandparents had watched and listened to the ABC and I, that I knew the ABC faced great changes and I, I would talk about it, wanting to secure its future so that it was as loved and respected by my children's and grandchildren's generation as it was for my parents' and grandparents' generation. And, and if you're going to do that, 
If you're going to secure its future, you have to change it. And so you have to be not frightened about bringing about the change that's necessary in a place like this. So, you know, I'll be encouraging Michelle to enjoy every moment of it, to explore it deeply and, and to continue to change it as it needs to be changed to secure its future. And to tell her that the giggle and hoot smoking jacket is hung behind the door. Absolutely right. And and look, you know, there. And some of the best moments, I must say, are, you know, you're strolling through a studio, you pop your head in the door and there is giggle and hoot or there is play school or you run into Philip Adams in the corridor and uh, there's Julian Morrow getting ready to cause mischief on the new Chaser series and... Um, you know, they're the, 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 Veronica and Lewis from, you know, Triple J Afternoons. I mean, it really is just the most wonderful place to work and to, to chat with people and to, and not just them, you know, the, the guys on the security desk, the people who work in the switchboard, mm-hmm. those who can somehow fix the computers when they blow up. I mean, it's a fantastic uh, place full of uh, wonderful, wonderful people. And, um, you know, that you do things, you know, I remember, um, uh, I, I remember I had a, uh, you know, I took a photograph with Jimmy Giggle one day and I was, I was chatting with a three-year-old and I told them that I knew Jimmy Giggle. They could not believe that I knew Jim Giggle. I pulled the photograph off my phone of me sitting next to Jimmy Giggle. They totally saw me in a different light knowing that I had connections <laughs> with the most popular people with the under fives in the country. You got way cooler, real cool. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And and you know, there's uh, you know, there's kudos here at, across all demographics. It's not just the under fives that I know the people at Triple J that I know Philip Adams. You know, I've got <laughs> I've got it all covered here. Mark Scott's demos play really well. Exactly. So where's the line between public and private for you, Mark? Look, I'm a pretty private person, really. Um, you know, my family's very important to me. We're a kind of tight team. Um, and so I I think in a way when I go home, I go home and, and we hang together and a bunch of old friends. I, I don't do a whole lot of opening nights. I, uh, you know, I don't, you know, go to a whole lot of media parties. I get on well with lots of people, but I think I'm a pretty kind of private uh, person. I think I learned early on too, uh, you know, that that it's a job, right? It's a great job, but it's a job. Do not become your business card. You know, the person I am before I got this job and the person I'll be after this job, that's what's really real and sustaining. And those friendships, those relationships, those things that are really important enduring, that's what's really important. Um, and I have not become this role. And I think uh, I realised that early on. Don't let your identity just become washed up in who this position is because this job will continue uh, when I am gone and someone else is coming in, someone else is going to do it. They become that person so that this isn't my identity. So I've tried to keep pretty kind of grounded um, and level-headed on it. I think family's been very useful for that. My kids have been very useful for that. I think my old friends, no one takes me that seriously, frankly. Um, and I think that's that's been terrific for me. That's been a real gift for me. And so... Um, yeah, I think there is, you know, there are jobs that I need to do here. I, there, there's a very public role about this. It's a big organisation. You've got to be upfront with those people there too. You'll have to do quite a lot of media. You'll have to deal with people who are really very well known. But fundamentally, that's just the job and 
you do the job, but when the job's no longer, I'll still be the person I was, I think, enriched by the experiences I've had along the way. Do you have to face up to Senate estimates again before you finish? Yes, I indeed oh. I do. In about three weeks' time, I have my what is scheduled to be my final Senate estimates appearance. And I've calculated I'll have done about, you know, best part of 30 appearances at estimates or other government inquiries, and I'll be happy to appear one final time to answer all questions from all comers on the ABC and whatever else they want to throw at me. At times, I mean, how would you how would you describe it for people who aren't aware of what Senate estimates is? It looks to be brutal, but what is it for you? Yes, I don't think I've found it brutal. Actually, I've found it a um, you know, I, I look. I, I sometimes say lightheartedly, the ABC gets a billion dollars a year. I get to have to make three estimates hearings a year. That you know, on a cost per appearance thing, you're collecting more than three hundred million dollars for each appearance you know it's not bad money if you can get it you know <laughs> I, I absolutely accept that there is an accountability that comes by being the public broadcaster and spending taxpayers dollars we get given a lot of money but we do a lot with it and the public is overwhelmingly supportive of the work we do with that money but I'm happy to answer questions and um, I'm happy to engage in debate with those senators. So I can sit there for, you know, probably the shortest is, uh, you know, an hour or two or it's times they've run six hours or more uh, with senators asking me questions about the operations of the ABC. And those questions, by and large, come without notice. You don't know what they're going to ask you and you've just got to sit there and answer those questions as best you can. Now, sometimes it will be hostile and it will be hostile because senators are either unhappy with what's happened or what often is more likely, they have been egged on by some people, you know, so there'll be a columnist who's complained and they get their questions out of that column or there'll be some interest group that's upset and they'll ask questions that the interest groups have asked. Or it's an election year. And it's an election year. and, and But I've always found this, you know, very curious, really, Steve. I mean, I do not understand politicians <laughs> who believe that there is sport or votes to be gained by attacking the ABC. Mm. We do news poll survey every year. That poll is very, very consistent. Uh, the most recent poll showed that 84% of the Australian public, 84% believe that the ABC provides a valuable or very valuable service. That is an unprecedented approval rating for a government organisation. It's vastly more popular than any political party or any politician in the country. And so why a politician would think that there are votes to be gained by attacking the ABC rather than supporting the ABC, I must say whenever a politician does that, I just question their political judgment. But that's a decision that they make and I respect their right to question us as best they can, but I would have thought there is far more benefit to be gained in, yes, holding the ABC to account, of course, but also questioning about how they could help and support the ABC fulfil its charter and deliver the services that the public clamour for and the services that are needed. And so, yes, you'll find some politicians who want to make sport on the ABC. I've never quite understood the political strategy behind that, but if that's what they want to do, then I'll sit there and answer their questions. Where do you find your peace? In that process or generally? Both, certainly in life. Yeah, look, I'm a, um, 
I think I'm a spiritual person in many ways. I've been a Christian for a long time. I think I practice, you know, I practice meditation and mindfulness in the last couple of years, which I found quite useful. I just think to try and be, look, you know, to try not to be egocentric and not to have a big ego, I've found that's been uh, useful to recognise the things that are important and not really important. It's interesting. My wife, Bryony, runs a big girls' school here in Sydney. She's been a principal of of two girls' schools now. I've listened to the stories that she's come home and told me about things that she's had to go through, you know, children whose parents have died, terrible family breakups, terrible accidents or illnesses, um, you know, having to sit there with a child as the child is told that a parent has taken his life, you know, um, you, you quickly realise that that people are dealing with issues that are far more important than the crisis of the day um, here at the ABC or, you know, a dramatic hour or two at Senate Estimates. And, you know, I've just found that just important to keep in perspective and so, you know, to try and to try and be cool and insightful and reflective on it and at times there'll be important stories you, or issues you need to get passionate about but let's not just get carried away and that's that's the way I've tried to to deal with it as best I can what's the last tv series you binge watched oh, that's a good question um I think it was probably glitch actually um yeah. um which I thought was terrific I, I watched that you know, with one of my daughters who watched the whole thing, you know, through her, you know, the hand across the eyes. So, yeah. I, but I, I, I mean, I watched other series through, but but Glitch was the series I remember watching episode, you know, two at nine o'clock and then three at 10 o'clock and let's just keep going and no, we'll watch one more and then one more and then all of a sudden at two in the morning we were done kind of thing. Yeah. I thought, you know, I, I enjoyed Glitch. I thought Glitch was good and I'm glad Glitch is coming back. Yeah. In fact, part of our challenge at the moment on television is that we have, so many series that are successful that deserve another run. You know, I'm glad the code is yes. coming back. I'm glad Rake is coming back. You know, I'm glad Dr. Blake is back. But, but wow, lots of them have worked really well and trying to get the balance right between um, bringing back old ones and still doing some new ones. I think that's, that's a challenge, but I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I'm looking forward to Barracuda. I'm looking forward to Clever yes. Man. I think there's lots in the slate this year which are going to be terrific. Crackalackin', yeah. Some there is some amazing drama coming our way. Yeah, and and I, I'm I'm, you know, at the ABC we talk about wanting to be the home of Australian conversations and culture and stories. I, I'm really happy with our drama slate and the work we've been able to do. I mean, you know, it's it's challenging. I think there was a um, um, a period of time that that you could see that the narrative arc over a drama series like the straight uh, like uh, the slap was very compelling mm. you know successful imports like broadchurch we've done some of those this year like glitch and the beautiful lie they've done particularly well on catch up but they didn't do quite as well on free to air as we may have thought um, so how you commission dramas and then show those dramas in a way that get the full audience they deserve i think um, you know, we'll clearly have more of an eye view strategy over time as well as a broadcast strategy. Um, and, you know, I think all that to think through not just what stories do people want told, but how do people want to consume those stories? And that's kind of a very interesting challenge for us at the moment. Yes. Well, everything's changing, Mark. 
everything is changing. Yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, one of the, the lines I've used a bit internally is from um, uh, an Italian novel, The Leopard, and it says if we want things to stay the way they are, everything will have to change. And, um, I, you know, I think that's true at the ABC. If we want people to still come to us for Australian stories, we still want to be a, a guest in the homes of millions of Australians every day. Yes, we're going to have to change. We're going to have to change in response to fast broadband and demand for um, catch-up television and binge viewing and different narrative arcs and programs that premiere on iview and more short-form video and more young emerging talent. Yeah, we're going to have to change lots of things to keep us connected and compelling in the lives of Australians. What's the hardest truth you've had to deliver? Um, I, th I think in a way it's related back to what we were just talking about. I think, you know, we've had to, we've had some big downsizing, we've had budget cuts, we've had to make changes. And that's meant that some people who have worked with us passionately in a diligent and effective and successful way that their jobs are no longer there for them. And that can be bewildering for them, and I can understand that. They've done everything we've asked. They've worked very hard through no fault of their own. Things have changed, and we need to change. And that's been hard. You know, I've had people who've reported to me or closely associated with me who've had to go. Jobs were abolished. Categories of jobs were abolished. Um, some kinds of programming. It's been better for us to work with the independent sector and employ people through that way rather than do it in-house. Yeah. Uh, people have worked very hard on radio shifts, but still the audience has drifted away and we've needed to try new things. These are, this has been tough and to be compassionate and to be fair, but to recognise that people will be angry and hurt and disappointed. That's, that's been tough for me and tough for our managers, but I think we've managed it as best we can. Wow. Yeah, yes. All, all of the above. Mark, what's your all-time favourite? TV show. Well, that's a that's that's a really really tough question. Mm. Uh, we ask the big questions. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Well, that's a tough question. Look, I think. Um, let me give you. I'm going to give you three. Um, uh, I, I think as a kid, Norman Gunston breaking all the rules of journalism and comedy and mixing genres up just uh, brought me great joy and happiness. Um, I think uh, of all the stuff that the ABC has done in my time, I think, uh, I mean, there are a number. I mean, I think The Slap was just fantastic, ground-changing drama. But I've loved the comedies. I admire Gruen. I love McAuliffe. I love Charlie Pickering and, and I love all them. And if I think of one that I, that's just come in from overseas that I watched and was intrigued by, I, um, I really loved Mad Men. You know, I thought the insight into workplaces, the insight into changing culture, the insight into the 60s, but the beautiful art direction and the depth of characterisation. I thought it was only through Mad Men that I realised you... you um, watch a movie you get to know a character over two hours or two and a half hours you watch seven series of Mad Men you get a hundred hours to come to understand the complexities of a Don Draper mm. or those other characters and there's just a depth to that that I had never really seen or appreciated before and uh, you know I loved that and uh, 
waited for new episodes of that and um, thought that was uh, an artistic uh, triumph, no doubt. The rarity of a TV show that can tell a story just in the set. Yeah, yeah, abs- abs- absolutely. And, 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 and executed with such precision, I think. Uh, I heard Matthew Weiner talk here at the Sydney Town Hall last year when it had gone where I just thought, you know, that's a great, that's just a great creative achievement. I think we see more and more of that uh, now. And I think, you know, the the great surprise for me over 10 years, if you take a 10-year view, I think is the renaissance of the television creative experience driven out of the yeah. States and out of Scandinavia and now well and truly embraced here. And I think we can feel that some of the work we are doing around drama is truly world-class. Absolutely. I, I often uh, state that um, we're very lucky in Australia. We bat well above our average and pound for pound deliver some of the best drama and, and those kinds of things in the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. So, um, you know, and I think I'm sure, you know, uh, better days ahead uh, still. So I'm, I'm very confident. And look, and I'm thrilled by the people who want to work with us now, you know, the directors who want to work with us, the actors who want to work with us. Yeah. I think we're going to have some big announcements down the track here at the ABC again on the talent that's, that w- will be seen on our screens. Fantastic. So what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months, Mark? Well, look, um, you know, I wrap up here at the end of April. So yeah. I've got uh, three months here at the ABC and lots to do and lots I want to do. And, um, and then I'm going to take a break for three months and travel a bit, read a lot, uh, just catch up and just get back on an even keel, get back, get used to life without having the responsibilities here in my life. And then uh, the second half of the year, I'm really not quite sure yet. I've got um, a few things I've got to make a decision on sooner or later, um, uh, opportunities, uh, but I'm just not quite sure. And I think it's, I'm fortunate that I've, um, I've reached a stage in my career where I've, I'm, I can be happy with what I've achieved, but uh, there's still lots more I can do or want to do, but I can take a bit of a break. And so really I'm only planning through April and uh, the rest of it is kind of open um, and open for me to just grab a bit of time to think and to reflect and to um, explore and then we'll see what's on the other side. There's lots on the other side, Mark, I can promise you that. Yeah, thanks, Steve. I've, I've enjoyed it. And as I said, it's been a singular honour to, to have this position. Mark, thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it, eating into your, your valuable schedule. Um, please know that the things that you shared today are very special and, and you are highly valued. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And I've enjoyed the conversation. And uh, thanks for your work on the industry. I've appreciated that too in my time. It, it's my pleasure, Mark. Now, we know that you're on Twitter. Are there any other social accounts you want to admit to? Look, I think I look. I've I've got a bit of a presence out there on Facebook and a bit of a presence out there on Instagram. Uh, I have private accounts that's really just for the family, but I have ones where I put other things on. But but um, I mean, I, I channel most of it through Twitter, and mm. so um, uh, I think if you follow me on Twitter, that's where you find what I'm what I'm thinking or interested in, I suppose. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at M. Scott is indeed human.